Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I've never met a former Indianapolis Colts coach, Tony Dungy, but I remember him from his time in Tampa Bay because I lived in Tampa Bay for a good long time. And I certainly don't remember Tony Dungy as a player. So I don't remember him as a player. I never met him as a coach, but I've always been aware of him. And I've always been aware, uh, after being aware of him, that he is a man of faith. He's a man who uh, is is unafraid to discuss his uh, Christianity, his faith. He's lost a son to, to suicide. He has been through a ringer, and there has never been anyone who questioned whether or not he's a dignified person and is well-respected and treats people well. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. It's in that backdrop that I... Well, I haven't had a chance yet. I wanted to get into this story by Greg Doyle of the Indianapolis Star. And and full disclosure, um, I don't think much of Greg Doyle at all. Greg Doyle with a headline, Litter Boxes, Seriously, Tony Dungy, Stick to Sports. And it has to do with the fact that this is going on weeks ago now. Tony Dungy responded to a tweet um, about... Uh, I, 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 Kids who are transgender and are you kidding? Uh, uh, they, they have litter boxes in schools because kids identify as cats. Now, that was a, a meme that went around for a while. It was it was false. Right. That hasn't happened. The, the point is, it's such a crazy idea that a, that a student would identify as an animal that, that people could believe it. Because in today's society, you know, people believe that they'll, they'll, if you tell that to them, they'll believe it because of the the insanity that takes place. So Tony Dungy retweeted that and then has apologized for it. Instead of showing Tony Dungy grace, of course, it was an attack on him. Oh, you're attacking LGBTQ people. No, he said something that wasn't an attack on anybody. That was clearly a mistake. It has nothing to do with being lesbian or gay. But you will note that people like Greg Doyle don't look at individuals as individuals and is happy to weaponize people's sexuality because that's what has happened with the concept of LGBTQ. It has become a political movement. It isn't about people, not about individuals. What Tony Dungy did in this errant tweet, a mistake, I I agree. It was beyond insulting and look what he's done and he's leading these people to suicide. That's that's what he writes. That's what he writes. That what he wrote was just so g-damn cruel. No, what he wrote was clearly based on bad information that he thought was happening. Not cruel, because the man very obviously is not cruel. The lack of grace shown by Greg Doyle, who himself discusses his own history with some uh, of these uh, depression-esque issues. I, of course, have discussed my own, shows no grace because Greg Doyle isn't in the business of grace here. He's not in the business of saying, hey, this was a mistake, Tony Dungy. He's in the business of showing how good and decent he is at the expense of others. Read that Bible again, Tony Dungy. 
Some of those who aren't, so many of those who aren't, identify not with the pronoun of him or her or them, but with a biblical verse. You see these people on Twitter, awful human beings tweeting hateful things underneath a bio that offers John 3.16 or 1 Corinthians this or 2 Timothy that. And then talks about Tony Dungy writing a book called Quiet Strength, Men's Bible Study. People who think like Dungy, they tend to offer a pious smile and assure us that they love all people, even, sorry, including them. You know, homosexuals, writes Doyle. Hate the sin, not the sinner, right? The LGBTQ community must feel awfully loved by folks who openly hate who they are. Now, I don't know who feels hated, because I will tell you that progressives hate me for my choices every single day. Oh, well. That's on them. You really think Tony Dungy hates these people? That's what Greg Doyle thinks? That Tony Dungy hates these people? There's no grace here and no decency from Greg Doyle. There is only, let me show you my outrage. And yet he wants Tony Dungy to stick to sports. I was once at an Elton John concert at uh, was Banker's Life Fieldhouse. Maybe it was Gamebridge at the time. I was invited to be in a suite, and uh, Greg Doyle was in that same suite. And the couple that I was with uh, tells the story that Doyle was so incensed that I was in the suite. There was actually talk. He wanted me removed from it. And as was overheard, not by me, purely a hearsay, uh, as long as he doesn't open his blank and mouth, everything will be okay. That's Greg Doyle. No, I don't like the guy. Don't think much of him as a writer, but hey, who am I to decide what I think of him as a writer? But as a human being, his commentary about Tony Dungy was nothing more than an opportunity to slam on Christians while showing how woke he is. He used Tony Dungy as a prop to step himself up. Look how good I am. Good. Stick to sports, Greg Doyle. Your words, not mine, because if you want to talk about cruel and evil, and just altogether ugly, congratulations. You win. I'm Tony Katz. So I can't figure out if this contract extension is the big money or just a big placeholder. Either way, Miles Turner remains with the Pacers. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good uh, to be with you. Yeah, he remains. $30 $30 million a year. JMV joins us from 93.5-1075. The fan right here in Indianapolis, the sports guru of a nation. And I want to start uh, with the Pacers, who thankfully are starting to turn some things around. But this contract extension, is this to you a level of commitment? Or is this to you, it was better to have them than not? And actually, $30 million a year might very well be a deal. Well, it's uh, better than having him right now and not. It also, Tony, provides you a couple of years of time to figure out exactly uh, what you have and then how you continue to piece this thing together. It's all really about the building process of this team. And they felt, because if you remember going back to the summer, they signed to an offer sheet as a restricted free agent, DeAndre Ayton, the big man in Phoenix. And then ultimately Phoenix uh, decided to match that and Ayton went back there. So there was some questions whether or not Miles was going to be in the future plans. I think 
again, the combination of Miles and Tyrese Halliburton, he's been injured, but I think he's going to come back uh, in the latter portions of this week. Uh, what they have seen there certainly, I think, is the reason, one of the reasons, the main reason why uh, we see this. But what it does do, it buys them time. They had salary cap space, so you can up his salary, renegotiate up it this year. And then really, I think he goes back-to-back years in those next two, Tony, of 19 mil, uh, 19 mil or 18 and 19 mil, something like that. And those those numbers are really team-friendly right here. So you're going to look at the 35, and you're going to go, oh, wow, they had the space. But what they're really doing is they're buying themselves a little bit more time to help continue to build with this team. And they were hesitant about knowing what they were going to do with Miles at the beginning of the season. His production and his relationship with Halliburton has helped change their mind. And this continues to give them a little bit more time to help build around what they believe the epicenter of this team and the future is going to be, Tony. Let's move it out of the Pacers and into the college ranks because when we take a look at this IU team, the loss at Iowa, the loss at Northwestern, the loss at Penn State, only to turn around and defeat Wisconsin, defeat Illinois, defeat Michigan State, defeat Minnesota, defeat Ohio State. It's a five-game win streak for the Hoosiers. They still haven't cracked the top 25, which I don't quite understand, but... This is a nice, impressive run as they get ready to take on Maryland and this weekend take on Purdue in Bloomington. No, there's no doubt about that, too. I mean, I thought it was real after that third win in a row against Michigan State, but they've upped the ante certainly with this uh, where they are right now and the the impressive five-game streak that they have. Considering, too, Tony, where we thought this team was after that Penn State game and going into the Wisconsin game, but I think you start on the defensive end. They're playing much better defensively, more inspired from the beginning of the game defensively. Don't get me wrong. They still have offensive holes in their game, not named Trace Jackson Davis, as we saw in Minnesota back on Wednesday of last week. They still have offensive holes there that are much better filled at home for guys like Tamar Bates and others than they are on the road. That's something where they're going to have to find a breakthrough on the road, at least with others helping out Trace. But it starts on the defensive end. They're getting a lot of help, especially for Trace, uh, when you're talking about home games, as we saw Saturday night against Ohio State. And as you mentioned, if they can stay clean, they've got Maryland coming up on Tuesday. Purdue has Penn State coming up on Wednesday. Everybody stays clean. We should have one humdinger in Bloomington coming up on Saturday between Purdue and IU. Looking at Purdue, you take a look at their their last few wins, and some of them are, I mean, are squeakers. Sure, Minnesota at sixty one thirty nine, it's 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 destruction. But they win by three against Maryland. They win by one uh, at Michigan State. They only win by five at Michigan. Uh, it was a much different conversation Saturday against Michigan State. They are the number one team uh, in 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 the NCAA. But do the squeakers bother you? Do they concern you? Does it concern uh, Matt Painter? No, you know what? He may think of it differently. Um, You and I can stay on the same page with this right here. I I love the fact when a team takes care of single possession games and translates that into wins, especially doing that on the road. It is incredibly difficult to get road wins in general. But when you do that or qualify this, Tony, with single possession wins, as we have seen on their resume and the Big Ten Conference so far this year, that is incredibly impressive. You go back to last week, too, they had a single possession win at home 
against Maryland. That means you are executing late. We all know, as of right now, Zach Eady is the the college basketball player of the year. But what we have seen with this team is a high elite level of execution late. So I wouldn't worry about the squeakers because, especially on the road, it's tough enough to get those wins. But when you execute late and then you get those one-possession wins, that to me makes a team look even more impressive, Tony, and Purdue is that. Talking to JMV from 93.5-1075, the fan, right here in beloved Indianapolis. I should mention that the IU women are, uh, are doing damn well. Uh, in basketball as well. I mean, it's just it's one victory after another in some in some rather impressive fashion. But I need to bring it over to the Indianapolis Colts before we get to a, a first look at the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks, the Chiefs and the Eagles. Um, I said last week, last week, I said this coaching search for the Colts is going so poorly and then second look at Saturday and the other ones that people are going to say anything that happened with the Colts clearly isn't the fault of Frank Reich. He will get uh, let off the hook and he'll have another job. Sure enough, he's now the coach of the Carolina Panthers, where I believe he threw the first touchdown in their history. Yeah. Uh, Frank has a job before the Colts have a coach. Surprised? And what's coming? Um, I'm, I'm a little surprised, I guess, that Frank has a job so quickly, I guess. But that just kind of speaks to the volume. First of all, these guys go in, and sometimes you just wow those that you're talking to, and and it's, it's kind of done, right? So that part does surprise me. The Colts stuff doesn't, and here's why, Tony. We've talked about the aspect of Chris Ballard, you know, throwing that wide net. We've kind of made light of that a couple of different times. But the reason why I don't think we've talked about this, he has done it, is you go back the way that that initial hire back when they ended up with Frank Reich, that initial hire with Josh McDaniels, Chris Ballard had mentioned back then, or I should say now about back then, that he was focused in on, he had that single-minded focus on McDaniels, and it ended up burning him. He wasn't ready. If you remember, Tony, Frank Reich on a 1 through 10 scale was like number 8. Chris Ballard did not even talk with him before he was hired. That was more of an Ursay. That was more of a Manning. That was more of an old guard. Uh, Tony Dungy saying, hey, Frank Reich is your guy right here. Josh McDaniels bailed in the 11th hour, and Chris Ballard was not prepared for that. So that is, I think, more the focus as to the reason why we see, again, this wide swath of conversations, both one interview, two interviews going into it now, is because of the way that Chris – mishandled the first set going way back. And I guess that's another reason why you want to know why he was allowed to handle this one, Tony. But he is. That's what he's doing. And I guess you can say he learned or is learning in the process of his mistakes. What are fans telling you, right? I have people who, who will come to me or, or, or shoot me an, an email and, and give their, their thoughts. But you, I mean, you're 24-7 in it. What are the fans telling you uh, about the Colts? Are they, are they appreciative that they're taking their time? Or are they just plumb embarrassed at this stage of the game? Well, they're embarrassed. There's no doubt about that. They wonder why Chris Ballard is is still given that high level of trust in which uh, Jim Irsay has given him. Uh, They wonder why Jeff Saturday is still at all being considered. They think that the owner, Jim Irsay, meddle and is meddling way too much and will make 
the wrong decision. And, Tony, most of this is a product of just what we have seen. Um, it has been consistently inconsistent to awful, as we saw this past year. And it goes from the top on down. It does start with ownership. It goes to the general manager's office, uh, the head coach, and this team we've seen on the field. Right now you have a disgruntled fan base. You have a fan base that started a petition trying to rule out in terms of what the owner is going to say regarding Jeff Saturday. And Jeff Saturday, Tony, you know, is one of those beloved guys in the history of this franchise on the field. So they're frustrated, but they're what, tired, they're tired. Let me, let me, let me jump in. Let me jump in. Yeah. Are, are they telling you that they don't want Jeff Saturday because they don't think he could be a good coach? Or are they telling you they don't want Jeff Saturday because it's it seems to them that Jim Ursay is not serious about a winning team and that this is about Ursay, not about Saturday? No, nah, they tell me that they don't want Jeff Saturday because they think Jeff Saturday is a joke of a coach. That's it. I think he's a joke of a coach. They think that his his coaching resume should be represented by that one win disaster when he has taken over. Um, that's what they feel about Jeff Saturday, and they don't want Jeff Saturday. In fact, they want much more anybody else, if you will, other than Jeff Saturday. They just believe that ultimately Jim Irsay is going to side with Jeff Saturday and say, hey, I'm the owner of the team. This is who I'm going to end up selecting right here. But, yeah, they just don't want Jeff Saturday in the future, and they have tried to let it be uh, very, very known vocally, no doubt. The question, I guess, now is does Jim Irsay listen? Because I have seen absolutely nothing that shows me that Jim Ursay listens. Nothing at all shows me that Ursay is like, hmm, okay. Now, maybe there's an extent to which uh, you shouldn't listen to the fans at all. Don't let them. They're fans. They don't know anything. They're fans. Right? They, you, know, you don't take them seriously. You didn't hire them. They're just screaming at you on social media. If there are people who disagree with something I'm talking about radio-wise, am, am I... Am I Saying, ooh, somebody says I, sh- I, have, I have the wrong view on social media. I guess I'll change everything about myself. No, of course not. Of course not. That's, that, that's, that's a ridiculous thing to say. But you're talking about the people who buy the tickets. You're talking about the people who buy the gear. And are you putting the business at risk with these decisions that seem to be based on some friendship thing as opposed to smart business? Isn't that isn't that the whole Jeff Saturday conversation? I don't argue that he couldn't be the coach. I I just don't know if I I shouldn't say I don't know. I don't feel I have enough information on what coaching takes to make that call. But it's it's clear that he got the job because he's friends with Jim Irsay. And that bothers people. That that somebody would get a gig because, oh yeah, we're buddies, we're pals. It's 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 not seen as um it's not seen as valuable. It's not seen as worthy. It's seen as ugly. And that, that is certainly how, um, how it's seen. It's certainly how, how it's viewed. And as I've said, if, if you told me, you know, keep, uh, keep uh, Saturday or keep Ballard, I would say, well, keep Saturday. I believe that's been my I haven't no I didn't go the other way. No, no, I, there's no way I would have said keep Chris Ballard, just the wokeness alone. Um uh, keep Saturday, but you know, but you know if you change one and not the other, I think that 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 the fans could somewhat deal with that. Change neither? Man, I don't get it. I I still don't get it. Still don't understand it. 
And that's why I say the, the issue here is Jim Irsay. Jim Irsay is playing all on emotion and not on logic. He, that's that's w- what he's doing. And I believe he's hurting the team and uh, hurting the fan base because of it. I, I said that I think the chances are high that Saturday gets the gig. I, I still feel that way. I still feel that way. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. So I thought it was pretty important to to share this uh, back with you because some people missed it earlier when I was speaking with Congresswoman Victoria Sparks of the Indiana 5th District. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. And, and I, I, I mean, I just, I just say to you that I, I disagree with Congresswoman Sparks because Congresswoman Sparks thinks that Kevin McCarthy is wrong for saying that Adam Schiff of California, congressman from California, and Eric Swalwell, congressman from California, can't be on the House Intel Committee. Well, Adam Schiff lied about connections between Trump and the Russians. He lied, abused his power in that committee. And Eric Swalwell, he got an FBI briefing discussing Representative Swalwell and a Chinese spy by the name of Fang Fang and said, uh, yeah, this, this isn't going to work. He can't be on this committee. You'll note that the difference between Congressman, not Congressman, Speaker Kevin McCarthy and Speaker Nancy Pelosi is that McCarthy said no to this committee. It was Speaker Pelosi who said no to Ruth, uh, to Ruth, to, to sorry, uh, to Marjorie Taylor Greene and to Paul Gosar. They're not allowed to be on any committees. The Democratic Party acted in petty vengeance because they didn't like these people and like some things they did. I didn't say they said things that you couldn't have admonished. You took them off committees. You you prevented them from being a part. Yet all of a sudden when Kevin McCarthy wants to do it, it's just so petty. It's because we're so effective. Well, you can be effective from over there then. Speaker Pelosi ran the United States House of Representatives with an iron freaking fist. She wasn't a great leader. She was a solid authoritarian. There's a difference. And that difference needs to be noted again and again and again and again and again. And me, I I, I notice. And whether you engage this logically or you engage this politically, meaning you did this to us, we did this to you, maybe you'll learn not to do this to us, there are reasons to eliminate both of these individuals. I would also have gotten rid of Ilhan Omar on the House Foreign Affairs Committee, but that didn't happen. I'm not pleased about it. I don't care how much she apologizes. You can't convince me that Ilhan Omar isn't a Jew-hating bigot like Representative Rashida Tlaib and far too many members of the squad and the progressives. It's, it was International Holocaust Remembrance Day, and, and there's the Kentucky uh, Journal Courier, that's the name of the paper, owned by Gannett, the Kentucky Journal Courier or is a courier journal. And they're asking, well, why do we have an International Holocaust Remembrance Day? Shouldn't we remember all these atrocities? Why? 
What, you can't have a, a moment of re- remembering the Holocaust? The Holocaust should be diminished? Dear Lord, that's some hatred. That's some hatred. So it's not just Representative Ilhan Omar. But let's bring it back a little bit to Schiff and Swalwell. So I had Representative Sparks on the show just earlier, and that's why I wanted to share it with you now. And I asked her, explain to me what the problem is with, with Kevin McCarthy saying no to them. Why should Eric Swalwell and Adam Schiff be on the House Intelligence Committee? Well, thank you so much, Tony, for having me. And I just want to be very clear. There is no love loss between this members and I. What I'm trying to make a point that we cannot have tit for tat and selective enforcement without proper due process. As no one is above the law, no one is below the law. And I'm not trying to defend these members. They are very concerning members. And I disagree with them quite a bit with a lot of them. But if we are going to be standing for rule of law, presumption of innocence, against censorship, and we actually against the tyranny of a majority and mob rule, we need to make sure that we apply the same standard. You know, and, and I'm not saying we shouldn't maybe remove these people that don't place in the committee, but let's make sure if we have a specific processes for our intelligence committee, let's make sure that every member is checked. I truly believe we need to do better vetting for some of these members, not just for these two. We also need to make sure if we believe that somebody is violated some rule, at least not the candidate and let us people to, you know, to have presumption, not innocence doesn't work in our country at all, but at least have, at least let them make their case, go through ethics committee. You know, because you, you, you need to understand, I argue for two years, for two years in that committee, as soon as the floor defendant, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who I actually on some issues very disagree. I defended in, not to impeach President Trump with lack of due process. And Democrats were in my face, oh, Victoria, you're going to turn around and do exactly the same. So it loses my credibility to do that. So I told Kevin, we have to handle it differently, not saying that some members maybe should be questioned. So that is my point. And I think we need to be better. Otherwise, we're going to lose our constitutional republic and protection of people's rights. And then we cannot complain that they are censoring our site where we're going to appear that they're doing the same. The one thing that I, above anything that I like about you, uh, Representative, in our conversations on air and off air, is that you are not afraid of the engagement. Allow me to disagree with you in a very, very vocal way. We're not talking about the rule of law here. We're not talking about a court here. There is no court here. The The idea that we should allow the ethics committee to make a decision on this uh, is not the decision that Speaker Pelosi made. If you want to argue we should do it better, you can make that argument. But if we were going to discuss it just from the political point of view what's wrong with reminding the democratic party that abused you for years and it has a history of abusing republicans for years that they don't pay attention to the rules but they demand you pay attention to the rules what's wrong politically with saying now you know what is don't try it again well, listen, and I'm not against it, but let's just make sure that do it right, you know, because what we're doing right now, and listen, 
you know, we this is very dangerous, a slippery slope. When we create a tyranny majority, when we are now in majority doing what it is, they want that because that leads to dictatorship and socialism. They understand that. What we need to make sure, we can't we can just have a proposed resolution and say, okay, we're not going to do it, but you need to acknowledge what you've done to our members as well. And if they're not willing to do it, then we're going to do that. But let's make sure that we're defending some values of our republic and this institution. And we're adults in the rules because otherwise it's going to look another circuit. And I'm tired of a lot of the circuses because we have some real issues. Like my Judiciary Committee will have to investigate some serious issues. And all we're doing, investigating, creating show and theater, nothing happened at the end. And I think people are tired of that. So I am not against doing it, but let's do it right and let's do it smart. Not get to the level, as I said, they won't have mob rule. And Tony, I grew up under mob rule. I have lots of guns and ammunition. I'm fine with it. If we want to go there, let's just say that's the rule of law. We're going to be the same mob rule, tit for tat, and let's just get into this fight, but not try to claim that we're trying to protect the rule of law because our constitutional republic is based on that the views of minorities, unless you do something wrong, are protected and being in the majority. It's unprecedented what they've done. Go and try for political reason or disliking someone, oppress minority. That is very wrong fundamentally and we cannot be trapped in doing exactly the same because that's what they want. Talking to Congresswoman Victoria Sparks from the Indiana 5th District. It's not who they want, what they want. It is who they are. And so, again, I, I must say to you, as, as, as a constituent and as a, as a radio host, as a person, uh, absolutely not. There, there, there can be no second set of rules uh, for us. The other one comes from a, a, a more logical uh, place, which is I, I, I ask you directly, do you believe in it, yes or no? Do you believe that Representative Adam Schiff lied when he said he saw proof of Donald Trump colluding with the Russians? Do you believe he lied? Well, listen, I actually wasn't part of that investigation, you know, so I cannot really say what he said. I believe I heard a lot of that he lied, but I would have to look into that, okay, because I honestly wasn't there, okay? So I truly believe if we're going to look at different evidence, what is happening, you know, I would like to look deeply not who said she said, right? So I think it's important for us to look at that, what is said, how it was said, and actually kind of look and investigating because it's a serious business. And what is interesting for me, we have people lying, we have a situation where we had Hillary Clinton, and she had a lot of classified information on her private server. Nothing happened to her. Nothing happened to a lot of other people that believe above the law. But if you would have some private from U.S. Army having this classified documents, he or she would be in jail. That is double standard. So we do all this investigation, and there is no result. So if we believe that things like that happening, there should be actually maybe more serious punishment for people for doing that. They just not let them be on the committee. That is really doesn't matter for him that much. He'll be in some other. So if if I do fundraising. If I were to ask, do you believe that Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, got a briefing from the FBI where the FBI had serious concerns, as he has described it, of Representative Eric Swalwell and his connection to a Chinese spy? Is Are you saying that's not enough to warrant his removal from something as serious as the House Intelligence Committee? Not all committees, just this one committee. That from select committee, he has, you know, his right to decide who is going to be there. That is not where the house. What I'm saying that in the, in the in that situation, we should start applying the same rule to every 
stamp of that committee. And maybe we should need to have better vetting of the people, not just, you know, because someone is in minority, so it doesn't come across as like political witch hunt, but actually it's going to be a serious process because some of the members probably shouldn't be in the committee and the access to information that people get on that committee. There are a lot of other members there that I probably would like to look into that personally to tell you the truth. So I think that should be maybe apply, you know, to every member on that committee. And maybe we need to set a standard and see what's happening right now with a lot of classified information and abilities to, to access what's happening with other areas of our government. So maybe that's a good time to do that. But that is a little bit different about regular committee versus select committee. So if he believes that's what it is and he's going to make that statement, what I'm saying in that case, you know, he needs to bring that the same standard and say, you know what, we're going to apply to minority and majority. And we it's very serious committee. And for the sake of national security, so it's, you know, we're going to do this new processes. But it doesn't look like it's a witch hunt, because if we start making it look like a witch hunt, people will not take us seriously. The same with January 6th Commission. People knew that it was a witch hunt against Trump. So no one took it seriously, but we have some serious investigations. Some and Representative? Serious this is where we have our, our biggest disagreement, and then we are going to move on because y- you came on and you discussed it. The argument is indeed that they were engaged in a witch hunt. And now, when they are being forced to deal with the things that they do, they're expecting us to live up to a code. And what the argument is, is that they have to learn not to be this way. And I would state to you that there is an argument there that is valuable. I would do it for the logical reasons, but there are indeed political reasons that are worthy of discussing that it can't always be the left does whatever they want and the right somehow maintains a code. Meanwhile, they get abused and they lose. But before we go, and I know you're up against time as well, I did want to ask you about the sending of 31 M1A1 Abrams tanks to Ukraine. The Biden administration saying they will will do this uh, just like we are training Ukrainian soldiers on American soil about Patriot uh, missile systems. These are very complex pieces of weaponry, very complex tools, and may very well require more work than we recognize or work that's required on Ukrainian soil. Does the utilization or the presentation of these uh, services from the United States, these weapons to Ukraine, signal the United States getting more involved in Ukraine, including being on the ground? No, I don't think so. I think this is what just, it's unfortunately, the same situation, like a lot of other ones, been politicized. And I think, you know, unfortunately, Germany did a lot of things improperly, and then they created situation where, you know, it became a problem for them, and then they needed our help. And I'll be honest with you, we need to be helping Europe, but actually we need to put pressure on Europe to handle some of things better, too. And I think that is what's done purely. These tanks are not going to change the, you know, situation on the ground. They're not even the proper tanks. There are much better lighter tanks that could be much more useful than this one. It's purely was done for political reasons, because things were mishandled by NATO. And I think we were also part of this process, and we didn't was not proactive like a lot. A lot of other things and let us escalate it even further because peace through strength works much better. When you create these escalations and you're dragging your feet and not being proactive, it only can get worse. I think if we want to, you know, have this you know, war come to an end, we need to be smarter, stronger and be more proactive and do less talk and, and more action. And unfortunately, this administration failed on it. 
Congresswoman Victoria Sparts, I appreciate you taking the time. We're going to talk about many other things uh, into the future, but all the respect, in the, even if I disagree with you, all the respect in the world uh, that that you immediately reached out and said, Let, let's talk about that. Uh, you, didn't, you didn't go through people. You reached out to me directly. Uh, all the respect in the world for that. I look forward to more conversations. Congresswoman, can't thank you enough. Representative Victoria Sparts of the Indiana 5th District. There's more to get to. I'm Tony Katz. So former Representative Adam Kinzinger is going after people, Republicans, who questioned the Paul Pelosi story, uh, whether it's Senator Ted Cruz or Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson of North Carolina, Representative Claudia Tenney of, of New York. Why? I'll say to you without question that Paul Pelosi got hit in the head with a hammer. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. But if you think this story's on the up and up after watching the video, you're nuts. You are nuts. Paul Pelosi got attacked. A man broke into his house. That was the story they eventually settled on. Whether the man was invited, whether the man knew Paul Pelosi, whether they had a relationship, why was Paul Pelosi engaged with him when he went into a bathroom to use a phone, or did he not do that? NBC had a reporter told the whole story, and then that reporter got buried. Like, gone from TV. Here's what I know. The police knock on the door. The door is opened by two men holding a hammer. Paul Pelosi with his right hand, and um, uh, it's it's uh, this guy with, with his left hand, it seems to me. He could have had it crossed over. I thought he had it with his left hand. That's where he was wrestling with it. They're standing there. They're kind of oddly smirking as police are like, what's going on? They're both in their boxer shorts or shorts. Paul Pelosi's trying to hold on to the hammer. This guy's trying to take the hammer. Eventually takes the hammer and hits Paul Pelosi in the head with it. Police rush into the house. If I'm scared for my life and the police are at the door, I run to the police. I run to the police. If you're asking me if I think he knew the guy, the answer is yes. If you're asking me if I think something weird is happening in the house, the answer is yes. Can I prove it? No. What I think? Yes. People asking questions about this? totally fine. Adam Kinzinger looking for a lot of love. I guess being just on CNN isn't enough. Find everything TonyCats.Locals.com TonyCats.Locals.com Tomorrow everyone. Be good. Take care.